for a uh, whole, co- whole lot of things, you know, the cleansing of our soul uh, and what God has done in our own personal lives. And so I want to look today at Romans chapter 1. Here is a guy named Paul that God just totally revolutionized his life. He did something so miraculous in his life that he was never, ever the same. I can identify with that guy. You know, I may not have all of his talents and his gifts and his abilities and stuff like that, but I truly understand when God came into my heart and into my life and he totally changed who I was. And he's still doing that. He's still doing that. And so in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says he identifies himself as a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, I think this character is kind of interesting because this is not who I, who I am. But he writes this sentence of chapter 1, and it goes on for like seven verses, okay? He, He doesn't stop and take a breath. He has a lot of commas. He just keeps writing and writing and writing. And then you try to glean what he's trying to say, and he he just has so much to say. And honestly, in my study in the scripture this last week, I got into Romans, and I thought, I just got to share with you what God is showing to me. I love that. I love the scripture. I love being able to see what God is doing and what he did for this Paul. He identifies himself as a servant, and this particular word, servant, doulos, is Greek for servant or slave. And it really comes across with this idea that he voluntarily chooses to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, if you look back in Exodus chapter 21, God had all kinds of laws for his people. And one of those was in this idea of a servant or a slave to the master. Back in those days... If a Hebrew, God's people, a Jewish person would have something uh, that he owed to somebody, he would go and many times go live with that person and he would be a servant or a slave and pay off the debt uh, to that master until it was done. And as you look in Exodus 21, you will see that that servant would stay there, the law says, for six years, and on the seventh, he would be released to go and to go away and be on his own. In fact, the debt would be canceled after that. Well, the interesting thing about it is, in the law, if that servant says, well, you know, I choose to really stay with my master because I love my master and I really like working for him. He can do that. He would go to the God and and the master would take him and he would go to the doorpost and it says in Exodus 21, he would go there and he would take an awl, an A-W-L, and it's like this big, it kind of reminds me of one of those picks that you try to get the ice broken up, you know, but he would pierce 
the servant the guy's ear, and then he would be able to say, he would put a piercing there, and this would show to others that he is a servant to somebody for life. Now, servant could do that and choose to do that. And Paul here, as a Jew, is identifying with this idea of a servant who willingly goes and says, I am going to go and serve my master, Jesus Christ, for life. And he says, he goes on and he says, I'm called to be an apostle. An apostle is one who is sent forth with authority. One who is called by God to do what he did. And we know he did a lot in the New Testament. We read about him. I can't even do justice today to tell you about who this character was. But oh, the blessings when God revealed himself to him on the way to Damascus with this shining light. And then he says, who are you really with? Who are you with? You are not doing this to others. You are doing it to me, Jesus Christ. And now he is in this state of saying, I am a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, chosen by God. This isn't what he said, oh, I think I think this is going to be a good idea. I'm going to go proclaim the gospel news of what God has to say. No, he's saying, I am called by God as an apostle, one chosen by God to do this, to share the good news. You know, we all ought to have that in our hearts and our lives, that we willingly say, oh God, I will be your servant forever. Called by God to do what you have called me to do. And each of us knows what that is, don't we? We know what that is that God has called us to do. And he further says to set apart... He was set apart for the gospel of God. Now, some of us, we get into those situations in our lives where we feel like, okay, God, you asked me to do this, and I'm a little exhausted. Or, you called me to do this, and it's not very fun right now. Or, it's got some difficult pieces to it. But as I was looking in 2 Corinthians, big print... 11, 23 to 28, this is what happened to Paul. He was trying to say, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I mean, there isn't anybody that's gone through what I have. Listen, are they servants of Christ? He asked, verse 23. I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman, the English Standard Version says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and all near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day, and I was adrift at sea. 
on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Do we have anything to complain about? And then he says in verse 28, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. You ever feel like that? And coming back and listening to so many stories, I told you, it's really hard to come back from vacation. (laughs) a week or two weeks, whatever it is, but coming back and then then you hear the stories. And so I, I just, I had a whole message prepared and God just said, I want you to stay here for just a moment because there are many who will be listening online that are not able to be here today because they're just not well. And some of you are here today with your stories of what this last week looked like for you. And although I saw God work in some miraculous ways this past week, there were also some hardships from some of you. And my heart would go out to God. And it it isn't just in the church. You see, this last Friday night, my mother fell, and we all have our stories. And she fell, and when she fell, she ended up breaking her foot. So all day yesterday, I'm with people trying to figure out how she can get there and what can happen. And we all have these, don't we? It's part of our lives. But I was so reminded this past week. I just want to pause for a moment. And just say a prayer. Because maybe you are that person that you feel just beat up like Paul did. Maybe you feel this sense that I need God to do something in my life and I'm fasting and I'm praying and I'm doing everything that God wants me to do at Lent. And then all of a sudden it just comes crashing down. News. And as I see the different people not here knowing They're not well. Lord Jesus, I don't know what everybody's going through, but I know what I've been through this past week. And so we pray in the name of Jesus that you would put a comfort and a healing on our people. Over half of them are on the church board that have been attacked in some sort of way, physically, through things in their lives. And so we pray in the name of Jesus that you will put a protection and a covering over godly, your God, your people, our people, in, especially in this congregation today. And we ask that so that you will be glorified and we will see your work. Heal. Jesus. Some of them are critical, are critical to the work and the life of this church. So bring healing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Paul really felt this calling of God to be set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel means good news. Good news. And this isn't just good news from this person or from Paul. This is good news of the gospel of God. This is God's good news to people. And Paul feels this urgency to say, I feel called by God to make sure that the good news that God has is spread out. Not just to the Jews, but to the Greeks. So he goes on in his long sentence. It shows a capital, but it's still his sentence. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This good news was promised way back there by the prophets. You look in the Holy Scriptures and you're going to find out who this Jesus is. And this is the good news that I have. And it's not just now. It didn't just happen and originate today. It's gone way back all the way there, the good news. And this good news is concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. This good news that goes all the way back there and is still the good news today of what God has to say for his people is about his son, Jesus Christ. And it's not just that it's about his son, Jesus Christ. He is a special son because he was of the descendant of David. And he mentions the word according to his flesh, showing his manhood. This Jesus was flesh. He's come to earth. Now, Paul is writing this, and Paul wasn't one of his 12 disciples. He didn't even hang out with him. And yet, look at all the scripture he writes in the New Testament. He had encountered the living Savior. So he is not only God or man, but he said, and he was, deci- and he was declared to be the Son of God. He's not just man. He is the Son of God. He is God in all the power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. That's who this person is. Who is this person? He is Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. He came in power. He came in holiness. He resurrected from the dead. He is man. He is God. I mean, this sentence keeps going, doesn't it? He has a lot to say. Through whom we have received what? Grace. It's through Jesus Christ that we, you and I, have received grace and apostleship, this authority that comes from God to tell the good news, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. We've received this undeserved, undeserved free gift from God, of his gracious love 
towards us. And when we receive this grace, it is something that comes in and it's internalized into our hearts and into our lives. It's not a set of rules. It's not a set of regulations. It's Jesus Christ. Is that good news? And the beautiful thing is, it brings out this obedience of faith. You know, sometimes we try to get our kids and we say, you know, I need you to obey. I need you to obey. I need you to do what's right. And we're going at it as if it's a rule and it's a regulation. And they're trying hard to do what's right. But they're missing it if they do not have Jesus Christ. This faith that we have through Jesus Christ gives us a new heart. He not only cleanses our heart, he comes in. And when he comes in, guess what he does? He gives us a new way to look at life. I'll never forget it. I see people differently. This God, Jesus Christ, when we receive his grace, when we receive his forgiveness, he comes in and he does something new in us. Rules do not break, make you happy. Rules and regulations do not give you peace. But my God inside of me does. Isn't that cool? This grace is undeserved. He creates something in us that gives us this radical desire to obey him. I think so many Christians out there who say, I said the prayer to ask Jesus in my heart. I did it way back when, I, 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 and they're missing it. They think it's a prayer that they say to receive Jesus. Yes, it can mean that, but it's far more. I'm not trusting in a prayer. I'm trusting in the Jesus Christ who came to me and through me and in me and he changed my life. And without it, we're just trying to be good. There is this receiving of Jesus Christ that totally revolutionizes us. He transforms us. Now, I've seen many people, they, they get a little closer to Jesus and they have this, I call it prevenient grace, this grace that goes out and, and woos people to himself before they ever give their lives to him. It's prevenient. It's before it happens. And before that happens, you start seeing people a little more aware of sin and, and, un, and, a desire to get these things rid of and trying to be a good person. So you'll start to see them try to be good. And they'll try to start being a little bit better. But they still haven't experienced him. It's more than trying hard. And it's, imp it's, it's critical. That the church understands that it is through this radical obedience that only comes from faith in him. 
because it's for the sake of among all the nations, because nobody is impressed with us trying to just do good things. But when they see that we have encountered the living Christ, as Paul did, there is regeneration. There is a movement inside of us that we call salvation experience. And that's what he's talking about. That it's for all nations. It's for everybody. (laughs) It's the good news that God has had from the beginning of time. It is imperative that the church understand that this obedience that comes from faith is a desire that God puts inside of us. All of a sudden, we have a desire to please Him. That's it. He does it. It's not because I'm so great. It's just that He changed my eyes. He changed my desires. He changed who I am. Praise Jesus. I am so impressed that God would love a sinner such as I. Grace leading to this obedience that it isn't just, i got to try harder to live up to that. i got to do that. I shouldn't do that. I should do that. It, he does it in us. Including to you who are called. This, it's for the sake of his name among all the nations and including you who are called to belong to Christ. This message, this letter that he has, this gospel message of God's good news is for us even today. Not just for them 2,000 years ago. And it's also in verse 7 to all those in Rome You see, this is the book of Romans. It's to the people in Rome who are loved by God and and they're called to be saints. This Jesus, this good news is for everybody. It's for all of us. First, he says, "I, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. In other words, he's trying to tell them, you are not the Jewish people. You, you are Romans. And, and I'm so impressed. I'm thanking God because word's getting out that, that there's great faith going on here. God, and God is seeing it. And, and people are seeing it. And, and people are, in, are impacted by it. Could be all the Roman world. The Roman world. And see, Paul then, through the book of Romans, he begins to talk about this idea of this sinful nature. He, he moves into that, this sinfulness of man. And, and then he talks about this gift of salvation. And the interesting thing is, this sinful nature, this sin in us, it creates pain. 
You know, it's I'm guilty. We feel the guilt. And, and like when my mother, she had the pain in her foot. It said there's something wrong. You got to go to the doctor's. So there she is in the hospital trying to figure out the next steps for her with her foot. But God has a way to allow pain in us emotionally. Pain of guilt. It's identified as anxiety, stress over the top. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. Why? Because they don't have the good news. Jesus Christ. And sometimes we want to blame it on somebody else. Let's just move over there. Let's do that. Maybe this, I'll forget this, and I'll make changes here, and then I'll be okay. And Jesus says, I see something in the heart. And guilt is one of those pain indicators. Worry, despair, lack of hope, no meaning in life. And Paul moves forward and he says, the good news of Jesus Christ. He is the only answer. If it's anything else that we proclaim, we are missing out on this beautiful relationship with him. He gets all the credit. He changes our lives. He cleanses us. Salvation has come in the house of God. As we prepare our hearts for communion, It's a time when God just says, I want to wash over and I want to cleanse. It's a a season when he says, "Let's, let's just, let's do a pure washing and saying, God, you show me what you want to show me. That's what Lent is all about. Show me what I did not see before. Purify my heart. Give me a hunger and a thirst, as the psalmist said. I love your word. I long to be in your word. I long to be with you, Jesus. It's not about, I got to go to church today. I long to be in your presence in the house of God with fellow believers. This gift of salvation. Great reminder. Let's not take it for granted. Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts? Lord Jesus, we confess to you our need for you. For all the world to see the the neighborhoods in our community and in our families need to see a heart that has been totally transformed, regenerated, saved from the inside out so that we, Lord Jesus, would radiate the glory of God through us. It's not by anything we do. It's what you have done in us. So that as those Romans who knew Jesus in the church would just radiate it, that the word got out. There's great faith there. 
They really get it. They're so in love with Jesus. Jesus, would you, would you just come? Come in a special way and meet us right where we are on this journey. Purify us. Empower us and move us forward. Move us forward, Jesus, to see people come to receive the good news of Jesus Christ and experience you not try to be better. No. We'll talk about that another time, but this, this is about knowing you, Jesus. You do the work in us. Do it in our church. Do it in me, Jesus. I give you permission. For all glory and all praise goes to you through my life. Through our lives. All praise and all glory goes to you For we are called, called to share the good news. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hearts for communion. If you need somebody to come to you, you just raise your hand. We'd be happy to bring that to you. You can go on to the stations in the back as well.